Hello everybody, I'm Richard James Rogers, I'm a high school science teacher and I'm the author of an award-winning book for teachers called The Quick Guide to Classroom Management, 45 Secrets That All High School Teachers Need to Know. And that book is available on Amazon and all good retailers, so please do check that out. The link is in this episode description. Now today, I was reading through the Times Educational Supplement and came across a story that has a really shocking headline, Um, and it's this. One in ten teachers in the UK threatened with violence by pupils. One in ten, guys, so that's 10% now, of teachers in the UK threatened with violence by pupils. And I'm going to read to you the first part of this news article. I will include the link to it below this video as well. So what it says here is Nasute Data, um, Nasute is a, um, a teacher union in the UK, uh, Nasute Data shows teachers were also taunted on social media as the teaching union votes to support teachers to reclaim our classrooms. The article goes on to say, too many teachers are victims of unacceptable levels of verbal and physical abuse in the classroom and threats and taunts on social media from pupils their representatives have warned today. The Nashute Teaching Union has found that schools are failing to support teachers or take action where teachers report incidents or abuse from teachers. Um, I'm going to talk about that in a moment because that's a big part of this problem where teachers um, are not feeling supported by their schools and are instead put on the spot, scrutinized and made to feel like they've done something wrong when a pupil does not behave properly and the teacher deals with it. So I'll talk a bit more about that later. The article goes on to say, More than 1 in 20 teachers, which is 6%, surveyed by the union, said they'd been subjected to physical violence by pupils in the last year. And 1 in 10 said they had received threats of physical violence by pupils, while nearly 4 in 10, which is 38%, had been subjected to verbal abuse from those they teach. So these numbers are really staggering everyone and I think it's high time now that um, changes were made nationwide in the UK to tackle these issues. The last part I'll read to you from this article is that only around 4 in 10 or 42% of those teachers who said they had faced any kind of abuse by a pupil said their school dealt with it in a satisfactory manner. And is this that I want to focus on today. Now, because my podcast is a practical teaching tips podcast, I want everyone listening to this to take something away that you can use in the classroom straight away, because that's the aim of these episodes, to give everybody something that's useful. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to describe what I think the solution to this nationwide behaviour management problem in the UK is. And it's not just the UK that's affected by these issues. There's many countries. I worked in China, for example, where behaviour was was an issue in the school I worked at. Um, So it's not just the UK, but it it seems as though, from these statistics, that the UK is facing a behaviour management crisis of sorts. And 
what's the solution to that? So I'll talk about that first. And then after that, I'm going to go through some behavior management basics that all teachers can implement in their classrooms right away. So first of all, it appears that um, teachers are getting verbal abuse from students in the UK. A high percentage of teachers are, are receiving physical violence or a subject to physical violence in the UK. They're being taunted on social media. There's all kinds of um, crazy, uh, unacceptable behavior going on. And it's not every school by a long shot. There are many schools in the UK where behavior is outstanding, but there are also many schools where behavior needs to improve. And the question is, what is it that the schools that can control behavior or manage behavior, I should say, what are they doing right? And what are the schools that are not tackling behavior properly? What are they doing wrong? Well, the problem, I think, in the first instance, stems from the fact that the UK government, over two decades ago, um, gave, gave, uh, gave schools autonomy over how they deal with behaviour. And I remember when I was last teaching in the UK, which is over, uh, well, which is, let me think, it was around about uh, 14 years ago, because since then I, I moved to Thailand and taught at international schools here. And I also taught in China for one year. But when I was last in the UK, um, a, a national policy came out whereby every school had to devise their own behaviour management system. And looking back now, I can see that this was a big error because when you've got one school dealing with behaviour in one way and another school dealing with behaviour in a different way, there's inconsistency and you're going to have schools that are dealing with behaviour properly and schools that are not dealing with it properly. And I remember the school that I worked at and they introduced a warning system. And the warning system was um, kind of like a step-by-step -step way of dealing with students when their behaviour escalated, where their poor behaviour escalated. Um, so, for example, a first warning was just a verbal warning, no consequences. A second warning given by a teacher was something like a break time detention. A third warning was a lunchtime detention. A fourth warning was removal from the classroom um, and an after-school detention or something like that. Now, the problem with that system was that if a, if a teacher had a class of students and there were a number of disruptive students in that class, Instead of teaching the students and getting on with the job of teaching, the teacher had to keep in his or her head who was on a first warning, who was on a second warning, who was on a third warning, and then keep all this data in real time in the lesson updated and try and figure out who was on which warning. And, and what it effectively did was it took time away from lesson instruction and activities and made the teacher focus too much on negative behavior and what I learned later on when I moved to Thailand and I, I kept in touch with some of my former colleagues I learned later on that that particular system caused behavior to get worse and not better and I remember when I taught in that school and I think what I'm about to say now is characteristic really of schools that 
don't deal with behavior properly. And what happened was, was whenever I would sanction a student, let's say give a student a detention or uh, give a student a warning or whatever it might be in this particular school I worked at, I, as the teacher, was made to feel like I'd done something wrong, like I could have managed behavior better. I was made to justify my actions for sanctioning that student. In some cases, I was required to fill out paperwork to justify it all. And I think a lot of teachers who I spoke to at that time felt the same way. And and they just felt as if, what's the point? What's the point of warning these students and giving them warnings and following this sanction system if I'm not going to be supported and if I'm going to be asked to justify my actions and if I'm going to be made to feel like I could have done better. The focus surely should be on the students and the students should be made to feel like they could have done better and the students should be sanctioned properly and I guess punished as well for their poor behavior, but in in a way that brings them back on task and makes them realize um, why their behavior was unacceptable. And what I'm hearing from teachers in the UK through my blog for teachers, which you can check out at richardjamesrogers.com, and through colleagues I've spoken to over the years who've joined me here in Thailand from the UK, what they're telling me is that in many schools, the teacher is being asked to reflect on one, on what he or her did and then being asked to describe what he or she, the teacher, would do better next time. And an extreme case I can think of that I heard of, um, but I'm sure it's typical of, of many schools, is um, there was a student that a former colleague of mine dealt with in the UK and and he was um, teaching computer studies and he sat down at his desk and all of a sudden one pupil stood up and jumped on another pupil and started a fight and so the teacher separated them and sent the student to the the principal's office or the line manager's office whatever the the sanction system required and anyway this teacher told me that he was asked to fill in a form And the form said something along the lines of, please describe the incident. Um, What do you feel went wrong during this situation? And then the third question, what do you feel as a teacher you've learned from this and what could you do better next time? So just awful. The focus there was on what the teacher did wrong and what the teacher could do better. And, And to add insult to injury... What that teacher told me was that when he went to give this form to his line manager, he saw that student, the student who'd started the fight and uh, had been sent to the, the headmaster's office or the line manager's office, that student was sat outside the office at a table with a donut and a cup of tea doing some work. So what had happened essentially when you look at it is that if you just take that snapshot, now I I don't know everything about the situation, I don't know what happened afterwards, maybe the parents were called, maybe the student was on some kind of detention system, so I don't know everything about this, but just from what I was told from that situation, 
The student was rewarded and the teacher was punished. And I think good behaviour management of any school begins and ends with trust in the teachers and support by the school for the teachers. That has got to be in place first and foremost. And another experience I'll draw upon is when I worked in China and I worked at a school that was quite a famous school but what a lot of people didn't know is that behaviour was um, not terrible but not not perfect either and there were cases of many cases every day of students smoking in toilets um, of students not doing their homework etc but the worst incident I witnessed was where um, a, a student was shouting at a teacher um, his, his mathematics teacher and the student then assaulted the teacher pushed the teacher a number of times like a, a hard shove and it was a big loud argument and students were watching and I witnessed this so this is what happened. The, the, the student was sent back to his bedroom. It was a boarding school. And the parents were called in and the teacher had a talk with the parents and I gave my testimony as a witness to, to what happened. And basically the, the student was back in school the next day. No detention, no sanctions, nothing. Just, just back to school as normal. And... Um, the teacher who was involved in that, again, was asked to write an explanation and justify what had happened and describe what he would do better next time. And I think when schools focus on how teachers could improve or what teachers did wrong in a situation, what that does is it just makes teachers feel untrusted. And it makes them feel unsupported. And it is not the way forward. It doesn't work. Now, I have worked in many schools where behavior is outstanding. Um, I, I'm lucky enough to have worked at many international schools where, where behavior is outstanding. And there's, there's a number of reasons for that. The first reason is that typically the home life, the parental support a student gets has a big effect on their behaviour. And I think that schools have got to stop blaming teachers for poor behaviour because there are many factors that affect a student's behaviour and it's not just what happens in the classroom. The home environment, the peer pressure, what's going on in the student's life outside of school, the parental influence, that is a big part of how a student behaves at school. But what I can tell you is in all of the schools I've worked at, where behaviour was excellent, without exception, they were schools where teachers were supported. And when a teacher gave a student a sanction, other teachers supported that teacher. And the, the senior management supported that teacher. And the senior management um, didn't make the teacher feel like they'd done something wrong. The teacher was supported. And I think often as teachers, it's good to draw upon the experiences we had when we were students at school. And what I can tell you is when I was at school as a, as a high school student, I was relatively well behaved, but there were, there were some incidents that took place where I, I could have done better. And there was one particular incident where I think I'd uh, been disruptive in class or something. So my teacher sent me outside the classroom 
uh, to, to cool off for five minutes, brought me in, um, talked to me about what I'd done wrong. And then uh, later that day, the head of year spoke to me about it and told me what I did was not acceptable. And the next day, my form tutor talked to me about it. So what happened was, was my poor behavior had been reinforced and had been dealt with by a number of people. And what that told me was the teachers in my school are supported and I'm not going to be able to get away with anything. And nobody is on my side if I misbehave. And that's the message that students need to have. The message they need to receive is that in our school, teachers are supported by their colleagues and are supported by senior management. And if you misbehave... It is not acceptable and it's going to be dealt with. That's the message that needs to come across in schools. And I think we've reached a stage in the UK now, and I'm saying this as an outside observer. I totally understand that. I'm not currently teaching in the UK, but I'm saying it as a former UK teacher who speaks with a lot of and communicates with a lot of teachers through my blog and through this podcast. I am in touch Uh, with a lot of colleagues here in Thailand who've come from the UK. And looking at this objectively now, I think really there's only one solution, and that is there needs to be a government panel on UK schools' behaviour management. It needs to consist of representatives from schools that have outstanding behaviour, and they need to come up with a national system that is consistent across all schools, And it is a system of rewards and sanctions. And let's have a system in place in the UK where teachers are supported by senior management and let's have local education authorities involved. Um, Let's say, for example, a student in a particular school uh, is suspended. Local education authority representative comes to the home, talks with the parents, talks with the student, figures out a way forward and Teachers need to be supported, but I do feel there needs to be consistency now. There needs to be a national system in place. There needs to be something that all schools can follow because I don't believe in the idea that every school needs to devise their own rewards and sanctions system that meets the needs of their individual learners. Because from my experience, students across different schools, they're not that different, typically speaking. Uh, young people reward uh, young people respond to the same kinds of cues and actions and techniques generally speaking um, no matter which school they're in so I think a national system would be uh, would be an excellent way forward and something now for subject teachers I want to talk about so not necessarily for a national uh, panel or for individual schools, but I'm going to go through some basics of behavior management now for individual teachers that you can just take with you to, um, to use in the classroom immediately. So behavior management tip number one, always plan every lesson properly. Now, if that sounds condescending or patronizing, please just wait because there's more to this. But what I've noticed in my career, and, you know, this comes through again through my blog and through my communications with teachers, is that when we plan our lessons as thoroughly as we possibly can, 
when we're working in a range of activities and those activities are prepared properly, are planned properly, lessons just tend to run more smoothly and behavior typically is better in lessons which are planned properly as opposed to those that are planned poorly. So always plan lessons properly and think about where will kids sit where will the students sit at certain points during the lesson? Will the students be moved to the front of the class at a certain point? Will they need their notebooks? How much variety can I put into lessons? Um, I don't want my students to be bored, of course, but I need to make sure that they spend the right amount of time on each activity to ensure that deep learning takes place. How can I reward achievement? Obviously, of course, use the school's reward system if there's one in place. Is a mini test or quiz going to be helpful with this class? Are the questions I'm giving challenging enough? Are they too challenging? Which resources will I use? When will I get them ready? Do I need to print everything in advance or do I need or can I use soft copies? So planning thoroughly is, I think, the first thing that any teacher can do to improve behavior in the classroom. Um, secondly, build rapport with students. And what I've noticed is that when we have an approachable personality and we have a caring approach to teaching, that can really help us to build rapport with our students. And that really is the fundamental facet of all good behavior management. If, if students like you and you enjoy working with them, and if you genuinely enjoy working with them, not just, it's not fake, it's you really do enjoy working with your students, then your classroom interactions are more likely to be positive rather than negative. And I've seen this many times. And there are many ways in which we can build good rapport with our students. So I'm going to go through some of them now. So number one, take a genuine interest in the whole life of each of your students. Uh, when we find out what our students like to do in their spare time, their hobbies and interests, we're showing that we're genuinely interested in who they are. And this shows that we care and that makes us trustworthy. It makes us approachable. Where possible, number two, use humor to en enhance learning. Um, for, I often use silly word games in class and jokes to make things more fun and enjoyable. So an example might be, um, my favorite FC is formal charge. That's a concept in organic chemistry, not Chelsea or Liverpool. If I, ask, if I ever ask you, what's your favorite FC? You must always say formal charge. Is that okay? So it's a silly word game, but things like that, you know, humor um, can really help to um, to make the lesson more enjoyable, to, to lessen the seriousness of the atmosphere, because sometimes that's important. And it can also help to um, reinforce particular concepts, actually, if the humor is used when a key word or key phrase is being introduced. Number three, praise our students, encourage our students on a regular basis. Um, use the school's reward system, as I've mentioned, um, but also there are extra things you can do. We can write praise, we can use verbal praise, and it doesn't have to happen in the classroom as well. A quick word as you're passing a student on the corridor or when you're on lunch duty can have a massive impact on the relationships that we build with individual learners. Um, 
great example I can think of just a few days ago. I was passing a student on the corridor and I said, you're doing really well in chemistry class. You know, I checked your notebook yesterday. Your notes are neat and tidy and colorful. Thank you for your effort and thank you for all the time you put into your homework. And, you know, just a quick word on the corridor when you're walking past a student can have a big effect. It really can. So don't neglect that. It can be very powerful. Um, Next tip, use questioning to bring students back on task. This is particularly good for pockets of low-level disruption, um, which can often escalate to larger disruption if they're not nipped in the bud straight away. So, for example, if, if part of your lesson involves talking to the whole class, for example, if you're going for a slide-based presentation, you can interrupt any non-attentive students by asking, for example, Daisy, what did I just say? Uh, John knows the answer. John, what's the chemical symbol for gold? Uh, things like that. And this normally gets students back on track. And it can act as a warning to other students that they need to listen because the teacher might ask them a question as well. Um, so, so this can be really, really good. Use proximity actions. Next tip. Um, a proximity action is when you stand close to a student or sit next to a student during a task so that they know that you're watching, basically. So you can stand close to a student or group of students who are off task, walk around the classroom during a task, check up on student progress during any project work. I mean, I, I realize that these days teachers are so busy. I mean, I, you know, I, I get it. I'm the same. We're, we're on our computers a lot these days, writing emails, responding to emails, using Google Hangouts, writing reports, doing Google Sheets, Google Docs, all kinds of stuff. And it can be tempting to sit at our computers when we're, when we're in class as teachers and work on something while the students are working on something. And sometimes we can do that when the class is well behaved, but often... It's important to just walk around the class whilst the students, <coughs> pardon me, are working on a task and just check that they are focused and check that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, ICT-based tasks are notorious for this problem. Um, I'll often set my students an online learning task to complete, for example, and I know that if I don't walk around the classroom and check what the students are doing, then certain kids are going to be playing computer games. They'll be quiet and they'll seem like they're working, but they'll actually be wasting time uh, on a chat app or, or playing a computer game. So it's important that we walk around and check. Um, another key feature of good behavior management is to pause. If a class sometimes becomes noisy or if students are getting chatty, I'll often pause and just wait like I just did then. I'll, I'll pause. And oftentimes students will say, shh, be quiet. Mr. Rogers is waiting. And I'll wait until they're all listening. And that can be very effective. Um, it often takes only 15 to 20 seconds, sometimes longer, before the students start to realize that I'm waiting for them. And pausing can be a very good non-confrontational way to make students aware that they need to listen. And when the students do quieten down or do start to quieten down, 
you can accelerate that process by saying something like, thank you to those who are listening. Thank you very much to those who are paying attention. I'm just waiting for one or two students right now. And then pause some more and continue. Thank you to those who are listening. I'm just waiting for one student right now who doesn't seem to realize that I'm waiting for the class before we proceed. Something along those lines can, can really help. Uh, next tip, sanction fairly and with a purpose. Your school may have a sanctions policy or system in place. If it's a good school, it should have a good system in place. Do you know exactly what your school sanction system is? Whole school sanction systems can be a great idea, but they only work if they're reasonable and if they are applied consistently by every member of the teaching staff. And this may involve reminding teachers of the system that they should be using during weekly meetings or briefings. If you do sanction students, do it fairly. Don't turn a blind eye to it for one student and ignore it for one student, but then sanction another student for the same action. No favoritism allowed. That's an obvious, of course. If we're going to give students detentions or minus points or warnings or whatever, or whatever the system is, we have to apply it consistently and fairly. But also, make sure that sanctions have a purpose. Otherwise, behavior is going to get worse. And I've seen this many times. Um, a classic example of such a foolish uh, sanction system was announced very recently by Nine Style School in Birmingham, England. Now, the school announced that any student found talking on the corridors would automatically be given a 20-minute detention. Can you believe? And I'll link to the full story there. And that happened... Um, let me just check the date of that now. Uh, that happened back in 2018, so that was about three years ago. Now, why was that particular system so foolish? Why was it foolish to give every student a 20-minute detention for simply talking on the corridors. I mean, ridiculous. Now, that system was illogical. It was stupid because, number one, it's very difficult to implement that system properly and would require corridor monitors to be in place, which I would imagine would eat into teachers' already limited free time, so not easy to police that, that at all. And number two, what are the educational disadvantages of talking on the corridors exactly? Um, I can't find one anywhere. Uh, in Finland, which is a country that's considered to have one of the best educational systems in the world, students are typically given 15 minutes breaks between lessons where they can relax and socialize, both indoors and outdoors. And, and don't students need some downtime? I mean, why can't students talk on corridors? So doesn't make sense. Third thing, the sanction doesn't match the problem. Now, I'll say that again. In this case, giving students a 20-minute detention for talking on the corridors, well, that sanction is excessive, but it also doesn't deal with the problem. It doesn't match the problem. If the school managers are really concerned about students talking between lessons and how, that affects, and how this affects their learning, which seems puzzling to me, 
Then address the issue through assemblies, PSHE lessons, tutor time. Educate students about why being quiet on the corridors is important and how they can benefit from moving to class um, or moving between classes quite uh, quickly and calmly. So very important that the sanction matches the problem. Um, I've written a blog post which I'll share with you called The Effective Use of Detentions. And unfortunately, there are too many schools giving detentions for stupid reasons. And during the detention, they're not dealing with the problem the detention was given for. So a great example is this. If you give a student a detention because they didn't hand in their homework on time, and let's say the detention is scheduled for the next day at lunchtime, well, guess what? What should the student be doing in that detention? Answer, the student should be doing their homework in that detention. And if the student does the homework and gives it to you before the detention, the detention should be cancelled. It's as simple as that, guys. Why take away student time when that doesn't deal with the problem? I've known of schools and teachers over my past 16 years of teaching where they've given detention and what the student does in the detention is just sit there and does nothing. Sits there quiet and does nothing. Now, how does that help the student? How does that teach the student that they need to behave correctly? It doesn't. It's, it's pointless. It's pointless. The detention has to deal with what the problem was. Let's say a student was swearing in class, okay? Well, the detention, if you're going to give a detention for that, it needs to deal with the problem. So give the students some reading to do about polite language and how that's important in business or something. Or give the student um, a talk about why the school has a system whereby you're not allowed to swear in school. Something to deal with the original problem. There has to be a purpose behind the sanction. And so many schools don't realize this basic fact. And it angers me because it's such a simple thing to to keep in mind. And yet it seems to be ignored by so many schools. Um, and also the last thing I'll say about this system at this school in Birmingham where kids were given a 20-minute detention for simply talking on the corridors. Well, well, let's look at it this way. Let, let's analyze this logically. Students often discuss work, progress, upcoming tests, tests they've just had as they're walking along the corridors. They often give each other tips about what to study and may even offer encouragement to each other. So, so don't kids need that time? I think they do. And Poor behaviour on the corridors in a school is most likely a symptom of poor overall behaviour um, systemically and is, is, is probably a symptom of a poor behaviour management system that's already in place at the school. And I can tell you this from vast experience. When students feel happy in their learning, are excellence-driven and they want to succeed, they don't tend to mess about on the corridors in dramatic ways. Rather than punishing all students who talk on the corridors, why not just focus on those who are taking it to the next level? Those who kick a football on the corridor, for example, or run or mess around. But talking? Is talking really that bad that it requires a 20-minute detention? Illogical system. Illogical. So, lots of tips. I hope that um, 
you've gained there from from this episode today. Um, there is one more thing I should say, and that is, I think as teachers, we've got to help each other more. We've got to talk with each other more, and we've got to support each other more. There's a flip side to behaviour management, and that is reward management and merit management. And a phrase that I often use, which has become one of my signature phrases now, and that is praise must be collective in order to be effective. I'll say that again. Praise must be effective in order to be... uh, Sorry, praise must be collective in order to be effective. Now, what that means is... If we reward a student for a good piece of work, let's share that good news with our colleagues and get our colleagues to say the same thing. What I often do is when a student's done a good piece of work for me, I'll inform their form tutor and the form tutor will tell the student the next day or later in that day, well done, I heard you did some great work for Mr. Rogers today. And that kind of collective environment where teachers are supporting each other and reinforcing each other's praise and reinforcing each other's sanctions is the way forward in terms of behavior management and we've i think as a as a profession as a whole we've got to get better at this we really have so thank you everybody i really hope i've given not only some practical teaching tips today but i've also given a suggestion for the UK and any country as a whole that is um, dealing with behaviour management as a big issue to apply some kind of consistent sanction system that's nationwide, that applies in all schools, that's consistent and that draws upon the best practice of those schools who do know how to deal with, um, with poor behaviour effectively. So thank you, everybody. I'll be with you again next time for another episode. And until then, push hard and love hard and take care. Bye bye.